Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. A beautiful good morning to all our listeners. The sun is shining and I think everybody is still recovering from that horrific um, hailstorm that we had the other day. I know that I am. I'm flying solo today and there's been a lot of children's concerts and graduations and um, that's where Fagi is right now with her children. Hopefully she will be able to join a little bit later, but we're still going to be at it because our, our health is the most important thing. This is going to be our last live broadcast for this year. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome back Dr. Kussel, who has been away for an extended period, also visiting family. Good morning, Dr. Kussel. Morning, Adol. It's nice to see you again. It's lovely to be back on the program. And, uh, you know, it certainly lives up to its name, the Healthy You, Wealthy You show, because we have to understand that without health, there is no wealth. You can have all the wealth in the world, but without health, nothing will help you. Absolutely. And so we're going to continue our discussion from the last time that we had you on the show. We were talking about blood and uh, last time you educated us about the red blood cells. Um, now we are going to, I believe, understand what white blood cells are all about. Am I right? That is correct. We've, uh, we've tried to break down the blood system into three main cell types, and it's plasma. They are the red blood cell, the white blood cell, and the platelet cell. They all have specific functions, functions which are vital to our very existence, vital to life. The origins of these three cell types are the bone marrow and any conditions affecting the formation of these cells from the stem cells in the bone marrow, or exercising an effect, a deleterious effect on the cells outside the bone marrow in the circulation will have a very significant impact on our lives. Let me explain. The red blood cell, which was the subject of our previous talk, played the essential and vital role in carrying oxygen to all parts of our body. And it is true that if our circulation in adults is cut off from two for a, a period of two to three minutes, we are technically dead. We cannot survive. And that, the disorders affecting the red blood cells have already been discussed and are described under the collective term anemia. Now, anemia may be sudden, as we have said, or it may be chronic or recurrent. And the ways of dealing with it, we have already discussed. The subject of today's discussion is the white blood cell. This deals with the cells that help the body defend itself from unwanted intruders, either from without or within it or within. In short, it is the regulator, the, the regulator of our main defense mechanism known as our immune response. 
Now, to understand this more fully, we have to understand that the white blood cell is made up of five main cell types, each of which have a specific function, either, as we will see later, a phagocytic function. In other words, they destroy tissues or unwanted intruders or an autoimmune function in which case they stimulate antibodies which do likewise. And it is these five main cell types, namely the neutrophils, the eosinophils, the lymphocytes, the monocytes, and the basophils, which are vital to our understanding of white cell pathology. And they and also embrace boss subject of immunity. Just a quick question. So you, you're naming the five white blood cells and they, they sound familiar because when you when you take a blood test, you will see that they're actually uh, looking for the concentration of like those basophils, et cetera. Is that where they find the sign of infection? Like when they go and say, we can see you've got an infection. Is it because these white blood cells are much higher than normal? Now, the white blood cells have a specific function. The neutrophil is mainly the white blood cell that attacks bacteria. It also attacks viruses in a small percentage of cases and foreign bodies. The eosinophil is the white blood cell that attacks parasites and is responsible for influencing our immune response, our release of histamine. The basophil is the white blood cell that tries to eliminate severe toxins and poisons from our body. And the main one is lead poisoning and also helps the neutrophil in attacking bacteria. And this, uh, whereas the lymphocytes and the monocytes are the white blood cells that primarily attack viruses and monitor and, and cause our immune system to start functioning. So that explains to you why the doctor says you need a blood count done. The blood count tells him lots of things. If you've got a neutrophilia, it tells him that you've got an infection, most likely a bacterial infection. If you've got an eosinophilia, it tells the doctor that you've either got a parasitic infection or a severe allergy. If you've got a basophilia, it tells you there may be lead poisoning or you may have a concomitant severe infection where the basophil is trying to attack, trying to augment the neutrophil in attacking the bacteria. If you've got a monocytosis or a lymphocytosis, increase of those cells, it's definitely indicative of viral infection. And the most important of the viral infections are the autoimmune ones, glandular fever, autoimmune disease. So that is why one does a blood count. And it's very essential and the doctors will know this. That's actually very interesting. And for the first time I now understand, I'm starting to understand more what a, a full blood count uh, you know, really does and what information it gives. 
We are talking to Dr. Kassel, and we're actually learning about the white blood cells. If you have any questions or comments, you can SMS us on 34519 or 061-895-1019. That's our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kasilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back. We are with Dr. Kassel on the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. And um, I've already just in the first 10 minutes learned a lot and of understanding what our what how our, what our blood white blood cells are made of. Where are we going next, Doctor? We're going next to describe it a little more fully. To understand, we have to also understand that in the total blood volume, 70% of the blood volume is the red blood cell. Only 1% is the white blood cell. And the rest of the percentages are the plasma and the platelet cells, which we're going to discuss in another talk. So the white blood cell in volume is very, very insignificant. But in actual effect, it is essential to life. It is the, uh, and here I apologize because for some of the questions, I've run the risk of repeating myself, but the white cell blood cell is one of the most important factors in organizing the body's defense mechanism. It protects the body from external intruders from without. These intruders can be viruses, they can be bacteria, they can be parasites, they can be fungi, they can be allergies, they can be anything. They can be splinters from wood. And it also protects the body from internal factors, such as tumors, abscesses, cysts, things that don't belong internally. You will get an immune response to destroy them. The essential word to remember is immunity. The secrets of the immune system, some of the functions of the white blood cell are well documented and have been known for nearly a hundred years. The more intricate functions of the white blood cell, particularly in the autoimmune field, are only just being known in the last 50 years and at only being discovered at this very time. And we will try and emphasize briefly to you the meaning of autoimmune disease. As the world uncovers the secrets of autoimmune disease, where the antigen, and the antigen is another word for a bacteria, fungus, as we have said, and the resultant antibody, which comes about in the bone marrow, may, uh, may not only produce the response against the specific antigen, but also get off to attack other tissues within the body. In other words, known as the misdirected autoimmune response. <clears throat> Let us go back one step backwards, because I don't want to confuse you. The two main functions of the white blood cell are known as the phagocytic function and the autoimmune function. The phagocytic function is what we have already mentioned. The neutrophil, the eosinophil, the basophil, going off like a foot soldier 
using its guns, its weapons, and destroying the intruder. And when it destroys the intruder, it leaves behind debris, like the hailstorm left behind debris. And this debris accumulates in the body as accumulated pus. That results from the phagocytic response of the black blood cell. Now, there's a lot of controversy as to about, first of all, how to recognize pus. Uh, not every thing that looks like pus is in fact pus. There are a lot of viral infections that affect particularly the tonsil that cause tiny little white spots on the tonsil. And that is often misinterpreted as pus. It's not pus. And if these are treated, it's not the correct thing to do. Because what, it's not what, what is it? What is it if you see like, like white it's, dots? It's, a vir it's an autoimmune reaction. The second part that I'm going to come to, to virus infections, very often glandular fever. It, if you get a white membrane or a white spot appearing in the throat, you've got an autoimmune reaction. It's not a pustular reaction. Because pus is pus. It's, uh, it's caused by, it's, it, it's associated with bacteria, it has bacteria. And to get back even a little further, what we're dealing with today, taking the throat as an example, we're dealing with 90% of throat infections that are viral, and we're dealing with 5 or 10% that are bacterial. So when you see those tiny little white spots in the throat, don't automatically assume that it's pus, and don't automatically assume that it necessarily needs drastic treatment. I find that very interesting because obviously it's something that certainly mothers deal with children and even ourselves when 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 you get sick, you know, you're trying to work out what is this throat infection about. So um, if am I right in understanding that this isn't this is a side effect or an after effect? of the fact that your immune system is working healthy and that this pus coming out is just the, the debris after they've, they've attacked the virus. What, 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 do, what, do you leave, what do you do with it? You just leave it until it goes away? Is it good to gargle with salt water? Like what, what do you do with this, this pus at the back of your throat? Well, first of all, if it's pus at the back of your throat, you gargle, you try and treat it conservatively. If it's pus elsewhere in the body, it may blow up into a large abscess, in which case pus has no blood supply, none whatsoever. So whatever medicine you give will not get to the pus. Pus is caused by bacteria and other areas of the body. So if you have an abscess arising in the groin or in the armpit and it blows up into a big abscess, there's no ways that will go away without it being opened. It causes intense pain, mm. and you have to you have to cut it, let the pus out, and you have to do this under antibiotic cover. Usually, this is done. The antibiotic is given for twenty four to forty eight hours before you do it, and then the surgeon opens and lets out the pus. The pus in the throat of bacterial infection is slightly less severe. It doesn't usually form abscesses, and you don't have to open it. 
It can form an abscess. It can form a nasopharyngeal abscess, which is extremely serious. And this can rupture and go into the lungs and even cause death sometimes. But this is rare. And in my career, I've seen nasopharyngeal abscesses about three or four times in my 54 years. So the pus in the throat is loose pus. It is yellow pus. It is very characteristic. And the clue that tells you that it is something bacterial and serious is the concomitant rash, because the streptococcal throat seldom comes without the streptococcal rash. And the streptococcal rash will always be diagnosed by the mother as measles. It's not measles. It's tiny little red spots, which when you compress it with your fingers, the spots go away. And she says to you, my child has a terribly sore throat. And then you open the mouth and you see this flaming red throat with yellow scattered all over. It's not a round abscess. It's yellow. It's pustular. But please remember to differentiate this from the viral reaction, which is an autoimmune response, which are tiny little white spots that have no relation to pus whatsoever. And these are the viral antibody reaction to a viral an autoimmune antibody. What you must try to understand now is that there are two types of immune response. The one is the phagocytic function, where the army goes in and just destroys willy-nilly and causes debris, and that is pus. And then there's the other immune response, uh, which is more specific and which we're going to try and explain in more detail now. That's just, before we, just before we go there, just to understand again, I mean, th sore throats are really, really common. Um, and I know that, um, you know, you advocate that when you have a sore throat, not to necessarily treat it, treat it immediately with antibiotics, but rather to even have a swab first, if, if you've got a sore throat, to see whether it is viral or bacterial. I mean, some of the viral... Uh, sore throats can be pretty nasty, and you could you you could think that you you you've got you know a bacterial infection. This is absolutely correct. It has it has uh, some limitations. The one limitation is cost. Uh, a mother doesn't want to go into a doctor and all of a sudden have to take out eighteen hundred rand and another eighteen hundred rand for a throat swab for bacteria and a throat swab for viruses. So it's a total of 3,600 Rand. If you could do this with everybody, it would be the gold standard. It would be everything. But the doctors who deal with a lot of patients will tell you that this is just not possible. The patient can't afford it. And unless the laboratories bring down their costs, it can't be offered to everybody. It would be the gold standard. And overseas, overseas they've got these self-testing tube, like, like overseas, it is a standard that they won't give an antibiotic unless they've got a swab and they know what the result is. And I think it's far more commercialized there than here. I don't think it's used, um, you know, as much in South Africa. Well, I think we could use it as much and give the laboratories a good reason for bringing their costs down. That would yeah. be the ideal as well, because the more you use the laboratory for a specific function, the more the cost comes down. The less you use it, the more the cost escalates. 
So that's a terribly good suggestion. There you go. There's a business opportunity if anybody's listening out. And just before we go on and to understand the autoimmune response, can you talk a little bit about your tonsils and your adenoids? Um, you know, again, I, I learned so much, but I learned it post de facto after I had, I had raised my kids. And I'm, I'm now trying to influence my family with my grandkids, you know, to look at things differently. Like as soon as you've got a few a sore throats, um, out come the adenoids, out come the tonsils. What do tonsils and adenoids do? Well, there are essential components of the lymphoid system, the components that also help to produce antibodies. One of them is the tonsil, the other is the adenoid, the other is that so-called useless appendix. They, the, third, the fourth ones are the mesenteric glands. Well, thank the Lord, you can't actually get to the mesenteric glands so easily. <laughs> Cut them out also. <laughs> and you cannot get to the appendix very easily. But you can get to the tonsils very easily and you can get to the adenoids very easily. So we have to be a little discreet in, in how we assess what really needs to be done. As a general principle, I've always followed in medicine, and I've always said this to my patients, you're better off leaving this world with everything that you were endowed with when you entered the world. That's the gold standard. Mm -hmm. There are cases where you're going to have to take out the tonsil, where you're going to have to take out the adenoid, where you're going to have to remove the appendix, where you're going to have to treat the mesenteric glands. But it doesn't mean that every single tonsillar infection that has pus must result in the tonsil coming out. The common error that is sometimes made, and I say error because it, it, it's, it's a misconception, the tonsil to start with is, a, is an essential lymphoid gland, and it's very, very large. And it's responsible for producing the immunity in the early years of life. Without an adequately functioning tonsil in the early years, you would be lost immune-wise. And obviously, if that is taking place, the tonsil is massive, it's large. It can very often look as if it's occupying the whole throat. But that in itself, in my opinion, is not an indication for tonsillectomy. It's not an indication for removing the tonsils. We were I think, always... I think the emphasis here is, and I think it was, it's something that maybe, maybe again, a comment and, and, and no insult to anybody out there, that we, we tend to think that we can just live with a whole lot of bodily organs, you know, that aren't, aren't, aren't essential. Um, and, and we haven't given enough thought to actually understanding that each and every single one of them does have a function and we should try everything in our ability to ensure if, if for example, the tonsils are inflamed, it's telling you that um, yourself or your child or whoever's got this tonsillectomy, that you're either eating or you've got an allergy or you've got like your immune system is struggling. And to ask the question, why is the tonsil inflamed? Because as you said, it's like a soldier, just like the white blood cell counts. It's our defense. And if our defense is weakening or struggling, instead of like going and taking out the soldier, 
go and ask yourself what is causing the soldier to fatigue and try to fix that up first. And of course, as, as we've said, we're putting things in perspective here. There is place for tonsillectomies and taking out your adenoids. And, you know, if you're about to have a burst append appendix, we're not saying don't do that. But if those organs are struggling to fight what's coming into the body, look at what's happening before, what is the cause, and try to fix that up first before, you know, we, we so easily just go for removing it. And then, obviously, you, if you're taking out some, um, some of the soldiers, then what are the effects when you've taken out the tonsils and the adenoids? Well, you put it beautifully, Idol. In fact, you could get a spe specialist degree. It's beautifully put. This is exactly what does take place. The tonsil is large in the first five years of life. It has an essential, and so is the adenoid. <clears throat> it has an essential function in immunity. You remove the tonsils willy-nilly and you start to impact on the immune system. And one of the serious results of removing tonsils too early or at all is the evolution of asthma. You immediately cause the glands down in the lung to start enlarging, to compress the bronchioles, and you land the patient that's susceptible with asthma. Right. My opinion, again, is at all costs, you should try to avoid tonsillectomies and adenoidectomies in children under five years of age. The ENT people will argue, they will say that uh, the adenoids are going to come out because the child is snoring. Snoring is not a problem and it's not an indication for, in my opinion, not an indication for adenoidectomy. Uh, well, I do say that if the adenoid is more than 70 or 80% enlarged and impacting on the nasopharyngeal space, that indicates an indication for adenoidectomy. But I don't know that I myself agree with this. I think the adenoids are essential organs, and at all costs, one should try to leave them there. There are the cases that you can't leave them, and you have to take them out, but that should be few and far between. Right. Try try things. The, the point of this is try things before, because again, God, you know, God did not make no junk, right? As, as the saying goes. And if it's there in your body, it's there for you to, to be assisted on. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments for Dr. Kassel, the SMS line is 34519. Our telegram number is 061-895-1019. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Uh, Dr. Kassel, let's go get on to autoimmunity now because we've left the poor, what's it, the, 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 the two last white blood cells out yeah. and I know that they play a very big part. We've left the two vital last cells, yeah. the lymphocyte and the monocyte. Those ones. <laughs> without any recognition at all. The autoimmune function of the white blood cell is probably one of the most exciting developments in modern medicine. And if you want to look for the progress that is going to be made in the next 20 or 30 years in medicine, it's going to be made in the field of autoimmunity. Let me explain. 
The white blood cell lymphocyte and monocyte has a main function of eliminating mainly viruses and also to facilitate in the formation of the second vital component of the immune system, which is the antibody. How does this come about? The lymphocyte mainly and the monocyte have T cells and B cells. It is these B cells, beta cells, that get stimulated by the antigen, whatever it is, respiratory syncytial virus, rotavirus, whatever virus, or any stimulation. This stimulation results in the cell undergoing morphological changes, changes in structure. And by the way, this also happens when you give vaccinations. And it undergoes a vital change in morphology where it produces millions and millions of, of broken up beta cells that reside in the bone marrow and are called antibodies. These antibodies are a sticky protein that waits, they bide their time in the bone marrow and wait for the next assault on the body. And the next assault on the body comes with the infection that you're trying to prevent, either in the form of vaccination or a viral infection that occurs in the winter months. So these antibodies are primed. It's a vital sticky protein. It doesn't act like the phagocyte. It doesn't destroy. It coats. It goes off into the circulation. It finds that dreaded coronavirus. It coats it. It stops it taking in oxygen and breathing out oxygen, and the virus dies. That's known as the antibody autoimmune response. But everything, unfortunately, comes with a price. And there is no doubt that autoimmunity and autoimmune stimulation is the route to go in the next 20 or 30 years. However, in a small percentage of cases, the resultant antibody formed doesn't only go off and attack the culprit, the virus. It goes off and starts attacking normal body tissues. And this condition is known as autoimmune disease. Now, we have, when, when we listen, when we hear that I've got an autoimmune condition, it's an umbrella name because there's, it's not a disease. Autoimmune means that your body could be attacking anything and everything. Like some are saying uh, that Parkinson's is, is, is somewhat auto, or, you know, autoimmune, fibromyalgia. There's, there, there's so many lupus, there's so many names for an autoimmune disease. So maybe and, and many of the diseases. I don't want to rehash the Damashek story, but <clears throat> I did it in a previous program, where when your whole immune system breaks down and when your antibody starts attacking kidney, skin, red blood cells, platelets, heart muscle, uh, heart valves, 
you then call the disease lupus erythematosus. It's a complicated name, but all it means is a breakdown of your immune system. Right, right. So, so what what happens? There? I mean, the, the the one the one one area is that sometimes people react badly to vaccination. So you you're bringing into the body a foreign object um, to stimulate the body to make antibodies to fight it. At the next time you get assaulted with it, we all understand it, like we did with 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 COVID. But how does somebody who who hasn't had the vaccination land up with an autoimmune disease? Is it just that the the immune system is not working properly? or that the antibody starts losing its uh, capacity to differentiate the main culprit. It floats off and attacks other, other tissues. That's how it happens. Exactly why, we don't know. That's why <clears throat> particularly vaccines are tested, retested, retested, retested all the time to make sure that there are no adverse effects. When the first vaccine was produced, the smallpox vaccine, the testing went on for 15 years before the smallpox vaccine was released. We, and in our situations now where we have acute pandemics and the governments are forced to release vaccines as an emergency, this testing is done to the best of their ability, but it cannot be foolproof. Uh, and let's not enter into the controversy about that. But the autoimmune response can occur, and I firmly believe, and I've always taught my patients, that vaccines should be used for diseases that kill people, can potentially kill you, Vaccines should be used for diseases that cripple you, and vaccines shouldn't be used just willy-nilly. The diseases that cripple you and kill you are tuberculosis, polio, meningitis, <coughs> tetanus, and, uh, and uh, those are the main ones, measles. Doctor, what about hepatitis? Hepatitis as well. Hepatitis is the main precursor of cancer of the liver in some people. And therefore, you certainly don't want to get hepatitis A, B, or C. So that is where, that is where I stand with all this controversy that's going on. You can we touch a little bit on? I know that that you were you were in, you were in Israel recently. And, you know, there's a lot of studies coming out now with how Israel is harnessing the autoimmune response in fighting cancer. We've got a couple of minutes. We'd love you to share just what, what Israel is discovering. Well, Israel made an amazing discovery. They, they discovered that in the treatment of cancer, which is standard even today, and no one argues with it, it's surgery, radiotherapy, and uh, chemotherapy, in the treatment of cancer, they discovered that there was an anti-tumor vaccine, which operated as a defense mechanism in our bodies to prevent us getting tumors or prevent the tumors from spreading. It is only when this anti-tumor vaccine became defective in the body that your cancer arose and spread. So what did their brilliant scientists do? 
They tapped off blood in patients that had BRCA cancer, BRCA gene cancer, the breast and pancreatic cancer. They took these deficient antibodies, which were minimal in the blood. They, they concentrated them a million fold in the laboratory, and they re-injected these anti-tumor antibodies into the patient. And lo and behold, the tumor disappeared, the, the secondaries disappeared, the spread disappeared, everything disappeared. And today, South Africa, with our brilliant oncologists, is adopting the same method of treatment as an ancillary to surgery, to, to radiotherapy and to chemotherapy. Don't get me wrong. Antibiotic therapy is not the only therapy for cancer, and I haven't said that because I'll get into conflict with the oncologists. But my own forecast is that one day it will become the only therapy. Well, it makes a lot of sense because, again, what you're doing is you're taking your own body, your own bodily, bodily um, system and using it to heal itself. And this is really, again, coming back to Hashem created, God created your body in the most brilliant, brilliant manner. And you, you have all the tools and, and the, the, the defenses needed to live a healthy life. We need to respect that and, you know, on a normal, in, in a normally health, healthy person, your body is doing its job. Um, the question is, is why are we getting sick? And, and my theory is that we are not treating our bodies with respect. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. This has really been a fascinating conversation and sadly time always runs away. Um, closing comments, Dr. Kassel, on the white blood cells. The closing comment is <clears throat> that the white blood cell understanding is, is as important as the evolution of antibiotics as they were in the olden days. It's a life-changing scenario, which is probably going to change our life expectancy as it was when I was born, it was about 60 or 70 years. It's now increased to 80 years, and it will increase to 90 years. And as we utilize all Hashem's mechanisms that he has given us, and, and look after them carefully, don't destroy them, nourish them, cultivate them, cultivate your, your lymphoid tissue, don't remove it. And as we use these mechanisms, we'll extend our life capacities some more. Maybe you'll find an antibody one day that will give you eternal life. Maybe. Uh, I'll make that, you know, absolutely. And that, that's where we're heading. Thank you again for all your wisdom and your time. And, and really, it's just, it's, it's opened and taught me so much. And I certainly, uh, I would believe that the listeners also have gained a tremendous amount. And that wraps up the Healthy You, Wealthy You show for this year, our live ones. And we will be running a, a broadcast right throughout the holiday season. Uh, an encouragement to everybody out there, um, treat your body with respect. Put in food and, and nourishment that your body will want as opposed to eating all the processed additives, preservatives out there that really just weaken the systems that God has given us. And today was just another example of when you understand what's happening with the body, you actually like learn to respect it. So wishing all our listeners a happy Hanukkah. 
that's all our Jewish listeners, to our non-Jewish listeners, a festive season, a prosperous festive season. We look forward to 2023, where we will continue coming onto the show and sharing the wisdom of God's will, the wisdom of your body. And as always, if you are healthy, you are extremely wealthy. Thank you again, Dr. Kassel, and thank you to everyone. And uh, well, I'll see you on the other side of 2023.